0: online, or on the award-winning State Farm mobile app, however you choose. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.
1: This lockdown podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients Free shipping on your first box and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert.
0: You are locked on Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the locked on podcast network, your team every day.
2: Happy Wednesday, everybody. Welcome in to another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers as always. My name's Tony East. I cover the team for the West Side Community News and Forbes, and today is a big day because the Pacers officially have clinched a play-in tournament berth as of last night, and I'm hyping that up way too much because that means they finished 7 through 10. Woohoo! But they made the play-in. Big story. Got to break that down. But, of course, they won. Huge win for the Pacers. They beat the 76ers even without Joel Embiid. Being a good team is impressive for this Pacers team that's been so inconsistent this season. Uh, so, break down the win over the Sixers. Talk about the play-in tournament, who they could play, what the structure is. I've talked about that before, but I still see some people struggling with what the ramifications are of the play-in. And then break down paths forward for the rest of this season and via the play-in, really. So, today more about the play-in, but got to start with this game. Pacers beat the 76ers. The first seed in the East, Philadelphia 76ers at home. 103-94. Sixers, if they had won this game, would have clinched the one seed in the East. They were playing to get that one seed. They could have coasted the rest of the way. Joel Embiid didn't play with a non-COVID related illness, but still they they beat the Pacers without him earlier this season. Um so it was a game that the Pacers could definitely have lost and early it looked like it, right? They were down Seven points after the first quarter. They are down 13 at halftime. I think that the highest the 76ers got their lead was 17 late in the second quarter even. So the Pacers chipped at it and to get it to halftime. And then they made the adjustments in the half. They came out in the second half and they said, we're putting O'Shea Brissett on Ben Simmons. We're putting Sabonis on Tobias Harris. And that worked great. That worked great. Ben Simmons had a really tough second half. Tobias Harris ended up shooting... 27 points on 24 shots, so basically one point per shot, pretty inefficient night for him. So they did a great job with that, containing those two guys, they had much better transition defense in the second half, and then they really found some juice in the fourth quarter, where they actually put this game away, they won the fourth quarter by nine, in a nine-point win, look at that. They found some juice with Goga Batadze on Tobias Her- or on um, Simmons even, for a couple possessions, but they had Goga and Sabonis out there. And the two-big lineup really stunted everything Simmons was trying to do. Uh, which this stuff, you know, the the Sixers would absolutely cream the Pacers in a playoff series, especially if Embiid played. But this is the kind of stuff you discover that could matter uh, after playing ramifications. Pacers could end up needing this if it matters. Anyway, that kind of defense was really key for the Pacers. It held, it held them together down the stretch. It got them in it, and they won. They dominated, dominated the second half by 20 points. They won the second half by 20 points, 52-32. to 32. And I think that 32 number really stands out. 13 points for the Sixers in the third quarter, 19 in the fourth quarter. Absolutely amazing to hold a team under 20 points in consecutive quarters. The Pacers' defense was ridiculous, ridiculous in this basketball game. And again, Joel Embiid was out. I understand that, but they did some good things, right? They didn't. The, the Sixers were smaller. They didn't start Dwight Howard. They went with Mike Scott at center with Embiid out. So they were looking for more stretchiness to open up the floor, and that worked well early. Ben Simmons had no problem getting to the rim, getting some easy dunks. I think he had like four or five dunks alone in this game. And that was working great early until the Pacers made those defensive adjustments. But when Dwight Howard was in, you'd still expect the Sixers to be dominant on the glass. And that was not the case. The Sixers only had five offensive rebounds. And the, the key to that was, one, they did a good job on Howard Goga, actually. Had a pretty rough game offensively, but had some nice defensive moments and some good boxouts on Howard, even though he himself did not have the rebounds. And then they didn't give up as many long rebounds because they only gave up 26 three-point attempts to the Sixers, right? So only five offensive rebounds for the Sixers. Pacers dominated the rebounding battle. So even though they didn't shoot that much better than Philly, that really helped limit the possessions, helped make their defensive trips just one and done. And that that helped the Pacers a ton. They, they, they shut down the Sixers in transition as well, which was really impressive given how terrible they have done. ...with that in general, so Philly only had 17 fast break points. 48 points in the paint, still a lot, basically over half their points, but Pacers did a nicer job with the perimeter defense in the second half. The size really threw off the Sixers, and they are able to get it done. It was a really nice second-half defensive performance for a team that really, really struggles putting together good defensive performances. So credit to the Pacers for even, again... I get it. Joel Embiid was out, so this team is much worse. But they still have an all-star on this team in Simmons. Tobias Harris has been awesome this year. Seth Curry is a really special player and shooter. Like They're still good. It's still a good win, especially when it's a 16-17 point comeback to get it done and a clincher play in birth spot. So an emotional, awesome night for the Pacers. Individually, outside of the defense, huge night for Sabonis again. He has been on a tear. We'll talk about him more in a second, but 7 of 9 shooting, so he shot 78%. 13 rebounds, 15 assists. DeMontis Sabonis had 15 assists. That is ridiculous. Over half of the Pacers' assists were from Sabonis. The Sixers had 23 assists, right? Sabonis, maybe not close to matching them, but like three-quarters of the way to the Sixers' assists, just him alone. He was a beast with the handoffs and a beast with his passing from the elbows in this game. And actually early, they were going to him down low a little more often. They tried to have him bully ball Scott, And it worked a few times, right? Again, he shot well from the field in general. But like I've been saying for a while, the best games with Sabonis are when he's more out on the perimeter and he doesn't have those long post-ups and he's being more of the elbow passer or the handoff guy. And tonight he was exquisite doing that, especially in the second half when they had him doing it more. McDermott was electric, four threes. He had 20 points as well. Uh, Karis Levert struggled early. And for three quarters of this game and then the fourth, he really came alive. He is has been proving to be very clutch for this Pacers team and continues to be. So like Harris, he ended up with a mostly inefficient game, 24 points on 20 shots. But a lot of his points came in the fourth quarter, including the dagger three to put this one away. He also made all his free throws, which for him has been a struggle of late, so that was nice. And then their bench guys, no one really had an awesome stat line. McConnell had 10.6 assists, probably the most notable stat line of the group. Aaron Holiday was injured for this game, so they really had to change up their bench unit, right? Jakar Sampson and Cassius Stanley were in the rotation. But no really special bench stat lines, but Keelan Martin had a wonderful defensive game and five rebounds. He, two games in a row, he looked great on the glass. Like I said earlier, Goga had some good box outs. Cassius Stanley buried a big three, right, that that kind of quelmed a run for the Sixers in the second quarter. So they got contributions from basically everybody. It was a nice game. Oh, Justin Holiday had 16 points in his start. Again, O'Shea Percent played great team on Ben Simmons. A whole team effort, a whole team effort required to beat the Sixers, and they got it from everybody. Everybody stepped up, played a specific part of the role, and played together on defense to get it done. So, big win for the Pacers. The Sixers have to fight another day. The Pacers get the win. And, lo and behold, over in Brooklyn, the Nets, Kyrie Irving gets hurt in the middle of the game. James Harden is out, but they still have Kevin Durant. They beat the Bulls. The Pacers' magic number was two, entering the game. And they get their own win. That's one, and the Bulls lose. That's two. Pacers headed to the play-in tournament. Let's talk about the plan. People don't really know... Enough about the play-in. It's kind of confusing. Uh, so I understand that people don't get it. I'll explain it. First, though, it's Wednesday. Most of you don't know what that means, but some of you might. It's Michelob Ultra Player of the Week Day, and I don't know how I can give it to someone other than DeMontis Sabonis right now. Let's talk about Sabonis since May 5th, a week ago. Sacramento. The Pacers lost that game. They sucked. Sabonis had 17-13-8, and eight, two assists short of a triple-double. Next day against Atlanta, 38 and 9. One assist, two rebounds short of a triple-double. He was massive in a big win. Then they play the Wizards over the weekend. Triple double. 30-13 and 13. Then against the Cavs, 21 and 20, 16th 20 and 20 game in Pacers' history. And one assist away from a triple double. 19 9 assists, excuse me. And then again, another triple-double against Philly. So nearly three triple doubles in a row and a 20 and 20 game. DeMonte Sabonis, obviously the Big Globe Ultra player of the week. He is rounding into exquisite offensive form right now and absolutely deserves praise for what he's done to stabilize the Pacers right at the end of the season. Do you win because you enjoy it, or do you enjoy it because you win? DeMontis Sabonis certainly enjoys basketball when he wins. He's always frustrated when things are not going great. He certainly loves winning. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. 2.6 carbs 95 calories are all that's in Michelob Ultra. You'll enjoy it if you try one. Joy creates success. And enjoyment isn't the end game, it's the whole game. So try Miklo today. Experience joy, happiness, and enjoyment.
0: This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games four, five, and six in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, Pacers officially...
2: Officially play-in bound. I can stop updating that stupid Excel sheet I made, tracking their play-in magic number, although I did quite enjoy that stuff. but uh, They're officially in. The Bulls lose, so the Bulls have 40 losses. That means their peak wins is 32. The Pacers have 33 wins. The Pacers are in the play-in tournament. The The Heat beat the Celtics in the same day. Why is that important? Because the Heat officially locked up the sixth and final playoff spot. So the play-in tournament in the East will consist of, for sure, the Celtics, Hornets, and Pacers. And then the last team is TBD. It is likely the Wizards. The only way it is not the Wizards is if the Bulls win their last three games and the Wizards lose their last three games. And if those, if all six of those games go the right direction, the Bulls would get the 10 seed. So... It is th- three teams are locked into the plan. The Pacers are one of them. So let's let's talk about what the plan is. I explained this once before, but now that it's more relevant, I think people are more interested in it. And I think most people get it, but there's some parts of it that are not quite ironed out. So there are 2 playing games at first. The seven seed plays the eight seed first. Right now, that would be the Celtics versus the Hornets. The winner of the 7-8 game would play the two seed. Right now, that's the Nets uh, in the first round of the playoffs. The eight... Let's just say the Celtics win, the Celtics play the Nets. The eight-seed, the Hornets by losing, they're still alive. They would play a second game. And in that game, they would play the winner of the nine-seed Pacers right now versus 10 seeded Wizards. So let's just pretend the Pacers win for the sake of this exercise. I'll just say the higher seed wins all these exercise games. So the Wizards are out. And the Pacers play the Hornets in the eight-nine game. The Hornets win because they're eight. They're in the playoffs. As the eight-seed, they would play the 76ers. So the part that people don't get, here's a few. One. If you're in the 9-10 game, you cannot get up to the 7 seed, right? So there is some more volatility of outcomes if you play in that 7-8 game. You can play whoever the 2 seed is in the first round. You can also end up playing the 1 seed. You could also, and here's the part that people have I think the most questions about, is you can still end up in the draft lottery if you're in the play tournament. The play tournament and the draft lottery are not exclusive. So it's not... Like, let's just go back to the scenario we were in where Celtics 7, Hornets 8, Pacers 9, Wizards 10. Let's say that the Pacers make the playoffs. They would not be in the draft lottery in that case. But that means they beat one of the seven or eight-seeded teams in that final play-in game. So let's say they beat the Celtics. Let's say the Celtics, who do not have Jalen Brown the rest of the year, lose to the Hornets and then lose to the Pacers. The Celtics would then be in the draft lottery. No matter what their record was at the end of the season, even if they went out and they go 38-34, and they would have the worst lottery ads, but they'd be in the draft lottery. They'd have the 14th pick if they did not get it, or whatever it ended up being, right? So if you're still a lotto fan who wants the highest pick possible, that is still on the table for the Pacers, right? They could get, they could lose every game the rest of the way, finish 33 and 39, be the 10 seed. They'd still be in the plan, and if they lose in the first game of the plan, that they'd be in the lotto, and that 33 and 39 record would be where they stand in relation to the league in terms of the lotto standing. So even the seven seed can fall the lotto, the ten seed can be in the lotto. If you're in the plan, you can still end up in the lotto if you don't make the playoffs. They are separate entities. I think that has been confusing for people and I wanted to lay that out. So that's the structure. If you're in the 7-8 game, you can play the 1 seed or the 2 seed depending on how you win. If you're in the 9-10, you can only play the 8 seed and you have to win twice to do so. Or you're in the lottery if you don't win the games required to get in. So the Pacers guarantee... So you're participating in this tournament. Their opponent in the first game, to be determined, they could actually play any team still. They could finish 9 and play the Bulls or Wizards. They could fall to 10 below the Wizards very easily, honestly. Um, But if they fall to 10, they cannot play the Bulls. They cannot play the planned game in Chicago. That's basically the only thing we know. Um, They could play the Hornets in either the 9-10 game or the 7-8 game, which is kind of wild because the Celtics are stumbling. They've lost three in a row. They only have 35 wins. The Hornets have 33, the Pacers have 33, the Wizards have 32. The Wizards cannot technically catch the Celtics, tiebreaker reasons, but the Hornets and Pacers technically can still catch the Boston Celtics in the standings, which is hysterical and weird and unlikely, by the way, but not impossible. So the Pacers could get up to as high as hosting two play in games. Oh, I didn't even include that part. The seven seed hosts the eight seed in the first play in game, and the nine seed hosts the 10 seed, in the other playing game. And then the loser of 7-8 hosts the winner of 8-9 in another game. So if you're the 7 seed and you lose, you're hosting 2 playing games at your own stadium. That's another thing. But anyway, yeah, the Pacers can still get all the way up to 7, technically. So their first opponent is to be determined, but they could play any of those teams. If they play the Bulls, I'm telling you, it has to be a banker's life. But that's literally the only thing we can deduce from the standings right now. That doesn't matter. We'll track all that as the week goes on. There's still some ramifications of important games, right? The Wizards still play the Hornets in a game. So one of those teams is guaranteed another loss. Um, so the Pacers have a little bit of control over... The, the, they control their own destiny to stay nine if they want to do that. But, you know, we'll see what happens. Uh, the, the Raptors, the team they played the last day of the season, are going to be tank If they want to get to eight, they certainly can. But if you are a a big pro-tanking Pacers fan right now, which a lot of you are. Um root for the, you know, the, the Bucks and Lakers could still beat the doors off the Pacers in their next two games. And it's possible the Pacers come out with maybe a little less desire to burst. They could still get to eight, and I know the team wants to get to eight based on their comments, but you know, the the sigh of relief of clinching the play in could be, especially given that they're playing the Bucks and Lakers, enough to cause them to lose the next two games. And once they lock up into the 9-10, you know, who knows what kind of effort they'll give. That's stuff for my next segment, though. The possible paths forward. What are the Pacers going to do going forward? What can they do? What should they try to do? Well, what should they try to do is maybe different for everybody's thoughts. But let's take one more break before we talk about that. First up, let's talk about the great folks over at Bill Bar who are making the best tasting protein bars ever. I think I've talked about them on a podcast every day for the entire season and for good reason. They're delicious. covered in chocolate protein bars that are great for the health conscious guy. I told you about the many flavors I like. I got the variety packs coming all the time. Bring them to work every day with my lunch. Peanut butter brownie is my favorite flavor, but they have the variety pack has nine flavors. Coconut, coconut almond, cherry raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, and salted caramel. They're all really good, honestly. The texture kind of matches the taste right, so the brownie ones are a little softer. The coconut ones are a little crunchier. It, it, you just got to try them. They're really good. Uh, and again, they're really healthy. A lot of the flavors have 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories, only 4 grams of net carbs, and only 4 grams of sugar. They're delicious. So go to BiltBar.com, B-U-I-L-T-B-A-R.com. B-Y-L-T-B-A-R.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15, one L-O-C-K-E-D You'll get 15% off your first order. That promo code is LOCKED15 for 15% off at BiltBar.com. And of course... The great folks over at betonline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. They have all the key sports that are in full swing going right now on betonline.ag. Baseball, hockey, NBA, all and MMA, UFC action's on there. Preakness coming up. I'm sure that'll be on there. For the next pitch, over to bet online on your laptop or mobile device. Check out all the great sporting news sign-up bonuses and contest info they have. For example, NBA action tomorrow, and it affects the Pacers, Hawks, Wizards, on wednesday hawks favored by five and a half with bradley beal out they only won by one when these teams just played a few nights ago so i don't know that one could be closer than that russell westbrook's been playing awesome getting all the triple doubles who knows how that one could go but if you want the pacers to fall in the standings you are rooting for the wizards in that game so we'll see what happens there go check it out and head over to that website betonline.ag if you use the promo code LockedOn, all one word when you sign up You'll receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. That's at betonline.ag, promo code LOCKEDON, your online sportsbook experts. Okay, so what do the Pacers do now? They're in the play-in, right? That was the thing they were going to be fighting for for the rest of the season, presumably, and they got it really early in the week. Great start to the week by beating the Cavs and Sixers on a back-to-back. The Bulls lose. And there you go. It's over, right? They, they, they're... they're, they're playoff birth magic number was three monday morning it's already over it took him two days so what happens now so i kind of teased it at the end of last segment but there are still some considerations to make uh you look at the standings still right and the wizards are one game behind them and then two games behind them is the new orleans pelicans why does that matter well we'll get to that and then two and a half games behind them is the sacramento kings okay that also matters so the Bulls cannot catch them, so and the Spurs also a half game ahead of them in the opposite direction, right? So one path forward, and I kind of mentioned this first. This is the one that most people have been talking about: is the 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 tanking path. Okay, so even though they're in the plan, they can still up their lottery odds the rest of the season. Uh, they have thirty-three wins, so their max losses is thirty-nine. The ninth pick slot right now is occupied by Sacramento, and the 10th pick slot is currently occupied by New Orleans. They both have 38 losses. So if if either of those teams lose two more games, the Pacers can only move up one pick in the draft lotto race the rest of the way. So diving, it won't get them too far, but it could get them as high as nine if things break their way. But you know that, that kind of stuff could settle even by Thursday, right? Sacramento and New Orleans could lose... In the next couple days, and then all of a sudden, the Pacers' first round pick selection area is limited to 10 through 13. But staying under those teams, you know, Washington and San Antonio, who are right around them, right? San Antonio is 33 and 35. That's a half game separating them and the Pacers. The Wizards, like I said, 32 and 37, one game there. Getting to the 11, the reasonable one, is a path they have to consider, right? Like, if they know, let's say, I, I don't know if this is truly possible, but Let's say the Hornets win their next game and the Pacers lose, then the Pacers have to win out and the Hornets have to lose out for the Pacers to get into that 7 8 where they would, where they in theory would want to be. And we'll talk about that path in a second. They might know that they're stuck in the 9 10 by the weekend and then just say, all right, we don't care about this Lakers game. We don't care about this Raptors game. You know, we're going to start Cassius Stanley and play him 40 minutes and, you know, lose. And the Wizards, we hope, beat the Hornets. And then we get up to the 11th or 10th pick or whatever. But they can't move that far, right? This is a consideration, you know, moving moving up in the draft lotto certainly is something you have to do when you're 33 and 36. You have to look at it. You have to try to do it. The Pacers absolutely should be trying to maximize their lottery odds once they know their, their, their fate. They kind of know their fate, so I understand it and it would be for it if that was the intentional plan. So they can move up. And they could get, in theory, as high as nine. But again, the Kings are not... Trying to win games. Now, I actually think the Kings are playing the Thunder as we speak. I might be wrong. Or as I speak, we speak. Um, I spelled Thunder wrong in my Google search, so I can't really talk. Um, No, they're not. I'm just dumb. Okay. But the Kings are bad, right? It'll be hard to catch them. But New Orleans technically still pushing for playing. Maybe they're attainable. They can't move too far up, but that is one path to consider for the Pacers moving forward. If they finish 33-39... and They could technically get as high as 10. More than likely, they'd get to like 11, assuming things go their way with that plan. They could just stay at 12, though, right? It's possible the Wizards, without B, will lose the rest of their games also. The Pelicans don't have Zion, and the Kings are the Kings. So we'll see what can happen there. But that is one consideration. The other one, one, they're locked in, right? They're locked into the 7 through 10 for sure. So getting up to the 7, 8... Gives you another life in the plan, right? You get two games now. You can lose that first game and win the second one. You're still in the postseason. And it maximizes the opponents you could have in the first round of the playoffs, right? It's very possible that they reach the playoffs. Kyrie Irving got a facial injury during the game against the Bulls today. James Harden hasn't played in forever. He'll probably return, according to Woj, later this week. But you know who knows what kind of conditioning level he's in. The Nets have been injured for forever. I'm not saying the Pacers have any chance against the Knicks or Sixers. Let's be very clear. I think they would get smoked 4-0, oh, maybe a gentleman sweep against both those teams. But that's why you look at having more options because the Nets are a little more vulnerable than the Sixers. And playing in playoff games is at least interesting for evaluating your team. Uh, and the team is going to try to win, right? Te- or teams don't tank, organizations tank. The longest said statement in the tanking era of the NBA. This is what the Pacers are probably going to try to do. They're probably going to try to push for eight, right? They get that extra life. They have more options. They can play instead of just the Sixers who are likely to get the one seed. They could play whoever the two seed is. If it's the Bucs, maybe you don't want that. But if it's the Nets, you know, maybe you sniff around and say, hey, that, that might make more sense for us. So if you're the eight seed or even seven, I guess they could catch the Celtics. Although I don't know that that's possible. The Celtics schedule the rest of the way um, is that they play the Cavs, Timberwolves, and Knicks. Like, Cavs and Timberwolves suck. If they lose those games, I mean, they should be worried about how they can even perform in a playing situation. But anyway, if they reach that 7-8, they have the option of first-round opponents. Not that they have really a ton of control. You don't want to try to control a win and loss in a best-of-one. But, you know, there are more option paths there. And if you're in the 7-8 and you're still the pro-tanking lottery crowd, which there are, again, I think a majority of listeners are in that group, it's still possible they lose both games and poof. They're back in the lottery. The, that hope for you all is still on the table, right? And in the West, you look at the 9-10 teams in that play in Grizzlies and Spurs, and I was already talking about the Spurs with the falling in the standings group, right, for you all. Um, the they're not the, the Grizzlies already have 36 wins. So the, pay, the Pacers will likely be in that 12th spot if they don't make the playoffs and lose out. So in that 7-8 push, there's still all these outcomes that can still happen. But I think the Pacers are going to push for eight for that extra life to make the playoffs. I think that's what they're going to try to do. They have the same record as the Hornets, but they don't have the tiebreaker. So they have to finish one win better than the Hornets over these last three games and have the Wizards remain behind them. So matching or exceeding the Wizards as well because the Wizards have the tiebreaker. So that is another path forward. Push for 8 and have that in your bag. I feel like I've been rambling discussing these uh, these potential paths forward. And we'll break these all down as the standings develop more and more over the week. And they still have some games that themselves, like if they lose to the Bucks, none of this could matter. And it could be obvious who they play. But whatever. It's all interesting to monitor going forward. And how they try to jostle their position or what they're doing or who their first opponent is it will be fascinating to watch. And I'm looking forward to breaking it all down for you on Locked on Pacers. So thank you guys so much for listening. We'll be back tomorrow previewing the Bucks, checking around on all the other of the night's action, including uh, the Wizard Talks game, as mentioned earlier. We'll be back tomorrow to break that all down. Thank you guys for listening, and we will see you then.
0: Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this locked on podcast ad free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.